Genesis chapter 22, and this morning is going to be uh, just actually ancillary to the message, one of the reasons why it's important to be here at 10.30 for the Sunday school time, because we're going to take one of the great stories of the Bible and uh, go through it with... Uh, an emphasis on things that how it ought to apply to us today. If you like uh, a title for messages, the title of this morning's message is What Faith Does. Uh, we're supposed to have faith. We're commanded in the Bible to have faith in God. Uh, we're told that it's by grace through faith uh, that we are saved. It's not of ourselves faith. Uh, contrary to what you may hear other places, faith is not in you. The Bible says, and say it with me, faith cometh by and hearing by the Word of God. And so, if your faith brings you to a place that is in disagreement with what the Bible teaches... Is it faith? Now you got to think of it. Not a trick question. If faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God, and yet you in your personal life are trying to hear the word of God and obey it, and end up at a place where you may be at variance, uh, that's a nice word for disobedient, to what the Bible says, then you have a crisis, because that's not biblical faith. And what we have here in Genesis 22 is just one of those places where God takes Abraham and brings him to a point of crisis, uh, a point where faith actually seems to contradict what is in God's Word. But I want you to understand something. Uh, we got to get this from the outset or we'll never get the message. Faith never contradicts the Bible. How many of you have ever heard this? Well, I don't believe the Bible. It's full of contradictions. How many of you have heard somebody say that? How many of you have said that yourself? Now, here's what you do when somebody says that to you. You hand them a Bible. Can you show me one? In nearly 30 years in full-time ministry, I've only ever had one person actually open the Bible. I got one for you, and they showed me one. It was an apparent contradiction in the Bible. The... Um, number of people that went into Egypt, given in the Old Testament, and the number of people that went into Egypt, given by Stephen in the book of Acts, differed by the number of five people. He says, see, there's a contradiction in the Bible. How many of you knew that contradiction existed? Most of us don't. Don't pay any attention to those little numbers. And... Uh, a little bit of study would help you understand that the one number was talking about the people that actually entered into Egypt. 
It wasn't counting those that had been born uh, of Jacob's loins that had died in the land of Israel that didn't go into Egypt. And the other one was counting all of those that had been born. And the, the total numbers work out according to the scripture. It's not a contradiction. I didn't have time to study that out in the few seconds it was presented to me, but this was the answer I gave him at that point was simply this. Was Stephen was making his defense before the very people that hated Jesus enough to put him on the cross. These are the same people. If Stephen had actually made a real mistake, wouldn't they have called him on it? Hello? I mean, they were the ones that were nitpicking at Jesus for every little thing, trying to catch every little word. If Stephen had actually said something that was that obviously wrong, would they not have attacked him right then and there and, and told him that he was a, a purveyor of false information and didn't know anything. I mean, it, it, would have, it would have been their privilege to do that. That's what they wanted to do. The reason they didn't bother Stephen is because it wasn't a problem. You see, people are looking for contradictions in the Bible so that they can have an excuse not to do what the Bible says. That's the whole purpose of it. You see, if you become a judge of the law, if you're the one sitting on the throne telling other people what's right and wrong, then no one has the right to correct you. Isn't that the way it works? Look at the realm of politicians. Why do you think they want to pass another law every time somebody does something wrong? Because if you're sitting in the seat of God telling people what's right and wrong, then nobody can accuse you of doing wrong. Uh, It's a great place to be. If you want to end up in hell for all eternity, yeah. If you really want to serve God, you got to follow what's written down. And you know, most of us don't need someone like me holding a Bible and saying, would you like to take a few moments and go over the list of things in your life that the Bible disagrees? How many would sit here and, and would raise a hand and say, Pastor, I have no idea the difference between what is sin and what is holy. Years ago, we had a group of young people come in and they were into this drama stuff. Worse than that, they were into mimes. Ugh. Uh, you don't, you don't, you don't have to be scriptural to not like mimes, all right? Uh, and, and he said to me as he was trying, I, I was just looking at him and put my hand in my, my head and my face. Yeah, I just said, I wish you'd explain this to me before you showed up. Otherwise, we wouldn't have had you visit our church. This really isn't what our church is about. He says, you don't understand, Brother Montoro. This really helps people understand about their sin. I said, really? I said, do you know where you are? He said, "Uh, yeah. I said, you're in New York City. 
I said, do you think there's anyone living in New York City that's above an age of understanding that doesn't know what sin is? I said, this is a place that invents new kinds of it all the time. I mean, we redefine it. When we've had enough of the sin, we, we take it down another level. I said, this is where it is. I said, you can't help these people understand more about sin. They already know a whole lot more than they need to about sin. I said, what we need to know is about Jesus. Amen? Let's try that again. You see, faith is obeying God's words, isn't it? Now, I want you to look with me, Genesis chapter 22. And it's kind of funny, this passage is really one of the most misunderstood in all the Bible. And... Yet, even Islam, they, they want to claim this. They've, they've changed it in the Quran, the story of Genesis chapter 22. Uh, they just changed one word, actually. They took Isaac out and put Ishmael in. Uh, and, of course, that would be claiming that Ishmael is Abraham's only son. And the Bible is very clear that in God's eyes, Abraham had one son. His name is Isaac. He had other sons, but he had one son that God had chosen to carry on his seed and to grant the promises to. One son that was the son of promise, the fulfillment of all the scriptures. We don't have time here to, to, to go through uh, the parallel passage in the book of Galatians that likens the birth of Ishmael to the law and the birth of Isaac to that of grace and faith. Um, but that, that picture or, uh, is, is in the Scriptures. But here in, in chapter 22 of the book of Genesis, it, just start reading here, and it came to pass, verse 1, and it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. Now, what's the Bible say? God does not tempt any man of sin, and God cannot be tempted with sin. And right here it says, God did tempt Abraham. Is that a contradiction? No. God never asked anyone to sin. But he does test us. He does put us to the test. And God already knew what Abraham was going to do. But God came to Abraham with a very strange request, did he not? God was going to put Abraham to the test. Was it because the God didn't know what Abraham would do? That borders on blasphemy, does it not? God knew exactly what Abraham was going to do. God understood every move that was going to be made. But God was trying to do something for you and I in putting Abraham to the test. Now, when you pass a test, a spiritual test, why do you pass the test? Faith? 
How many would agree with me? If you pass a spiritual test, it's, it's because of faith, biblical faith, that answers the question. I mean, say, amen. I'm in agreement with you, preacher. Amen? Okay, we're in the right place, at least so far. So God comes to Abraham and he's going to put him to the test. He is going to test Abraham's faith. And so he asked Abraham, he says, Abraham. And he said, Abraham said, behold, here I am. Now that's a good thing. When God calls you by name, you'd better answer. And Abraham did. In verse 2, And he, God said, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest. Now, is there any mistake about who God is talking about, to whom God is referring here in this passage? He says, Take your son, your only son, the one you love, take Isaac. Uh, There's no wiggle room here. And then he says, and get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of, period. Now, how many of you like following instruction? That's what I thought. Most of us do not like being told what to do. What am I? A child? Just let me do it. Don't, don't tell me every move to make. Well, there's, sometimes there's reasons for that. And we, we don't have time to illustrate that point completely, but there's, there's just sometimes there, there's reasons why you need to follow directions minutely and carefully. Uh, I give many, many people directions to find our church that have come in, or are coming into the city, uh, many of our missionaries for the first time. And I said, now listen, you can use your GPS if you want to, but if you got about five minutes, would you let me give you directions? Just write them down and follow them because your GPS, uh, uh, it'll get you close, but it doesn't always get you there. Uh, uh, I tried it a few times and the GPS put me at the 114th looking for open door Bible Baptist Church, 114th precinct, two blocks up. And I, you know, drive right past it and it says, please proceed to the destination. Dumb GPS, I'm already here. Uh, anyway, and, and so I give very meticulous directions. I'll tell them what lane to get in when they cross the George Washington Bridge and I tell them, no matter what your GPS says, you do not want the Lincoln Tunnel. Uh, We Baptists do not believe in purgatory, but that comes awful close now, doesn't it? Um, But uh, normally your GPS, if you come from the south, will take you up Jersey and right through the Lincoln Tunnel and and, uh, add an hour and a half to your trip. But uh, anyway, uh, I said, if you'll just follow these directions, you'll get here. And you won't have a problem. I had a preacher call me up and he was mad. He said, I followed your directions and there wasn't a sign on the uh, Bruckner Expressway for the Triborough Bridge. This was several years ago. How many of you have seen that sign? Remember that sign? It crosses all five lanes. And it says, right two lanes, Triborough Bridge. And uh, he missed it. 
And it was my fault because I gave him directions, right? Or it might have been his fault because he didn't follow directions. Uh, let, me, let me tell you something. God is not under any duress, obligation, or special uh, uh, ordinance, dispensation, we might say, to explain to you why he says things in his word. That when God gives direction, it's best to follow God's direction. How many say amen to that? You see, that's what this story, that's one of the reasons this story is in here, because God's going to give some direction that is based, that He just did to Abraham that makes no sense at all. God said it. God said, listen, Isaac, how old was Abraham when Isaac was born? One hundred years old. I'm glad God didn't wait me wait that long for my first son. Or my sixth son, actually. Uh, but God made Abraham wait a hundred years for Isaac. Isaac was a miracle son. There is no physical explanation as to why Isaac should have been born. He was a miracle child. Read your Bible carefully. It says that Sarah was past childbearing age, and yet God gave her a son by Abraham through the natural process. It was a miracle. And he's born. Now he says, I want you to take that promised son, and I want you to go on a journey. We'll find out as we go through the passage here. It took three days to take that journey. I want you to go up top of the mountain. I want you to pile some stones up in a pile. I want you to put wood on top of the pile of stones. I want you to kill your son and light a fire under the wood and burn him to ashes. That's what a burnt sacrifice is. Now, if you've read the end of the story, you know that God, before Abraham did one bit of harm to Isaac, God stopped him. But I want you to understand something. God hadn't said stop yet. God knew he was going to stop Abraham before anything bad happened to Isaac. But I want you to see something with me. I want you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 11. Keep your finger in Genesis 22. We're coming back. But Hebrews chapter 11. And just another aside, this is why we call Hebrews God's switchboard. It makes all the connections. It makes things make sense that don't make sense otherwise. And so we come to Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 17. It says, By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, And in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also... He received him in a figure. Do you see what the writer of Hebrews is telling us? It says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tried, when God put him to the test, 
He did exactly what God says, accounting that God was able to raise him up from the dead. He understood a burnt sacrifice meant the death of the sacrifice. If Isaac was to be the sacrifice, he would die. But see, God had made Abraham a promise that in Isaac shall thy seed be called. And so Abraham just simply said, if God wants Isaac dead, then God will bring him back to life again. You say, that's childish. Well, doesn't that perfectly illustrate what Jesus said? Except you be converted and become as little children, you shall in no wise enter into the kingdom of God. Could we say amen to that? You see, Abraham got something that almost, well, no scholar gets today. And that is, there are no contradictions in your Bible. You see, scholars look for contradictions because it makes them look smart. Don't you hate it when somebody has to make themselves look smart by making you look dumb? How many of you have ever had that happen to you? I mean, if you've been around very long, somebody's done that to you one time or another. Uh, I don't want to be that smart. How about you? I want to just believe what the Bible says. That's what Abraham did. You see, that's what faith is. See, real Bible faith makes you obedient to the words of God. That's that's simple faith. That's what faith does. If you want to know whether you have faith or not, just start going through your Bible and seeing if you match up to what's in the Bible. If you don't, I don't care how good you feel about your faith. It's not biblical faith. I don't care how many people, quote unquote, you think you've helped because you haven't helped anybody. You see, this is one of the reasons why we condemn the Billy Graham crusade and have no, no dealings with these people is because they endorse false doctrine and false religion. Many of you used to be members of the Catholic Church before you got saved. Billy Graham has Catholic priests sit with him on his platform. And he has altar workers that are Catholic priests that when you come forward in the crusade, you will be given to a Catholic priest to tell you how to get saved. How many of you were told how to get saved biblically when you were a member of the Catholic Church? How many of you would trust a Catholic priest to tell you how to be saved at a Billy Graham crusade? If you would, I'm not trying to be mean this morning, but please see me afterwards and I'll sell you the Brooklyn Bridge. We'll put the money into Union Baptist Church account. It'll go to a good cause. Uh, But uh, let me explain something to you. That's just utter foolishness. And no, I wouldn't sell you the bridge. Uh, I wouldn't resort to that, but if you'd believe that, you'd buy the bridge if somebody offered it to you, because it, it's just, I don't know how to illustrate it any other way. Faith makes you obedient to God's Word. You know, God's Word is quite simple in what it says to do, is it not? 
How many of you have a problem understanding what the Bible says you ought to do with your life? Hmm? If you do, see me afterwards. We'll take time so you can understand it. But it's not a complicated thing. The first thing you need to do is believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Second thing you need to do is be baptized the Bible way. Amen? Third thing is to serve in a local church. Amen? Fourth thing is put money in the offering plate, right? I was going to do something that gets less and less amens, you know. No, if you can't give by faith, don't do it. We don't need your money that bad. Really don't. That's why we only take one offering a week. We're not about money here at Open Door Bible Baptist Church. Uh, We got some needs. You gave me a million dollars today. I could have it spent before the end of next week. I mean, gone. Uh, Wouldn't even have to think about it. But the Lord has yet to do that, so we'll just keep praying a little bit at a time until He gives us what we need to do the things He's called us to do. You see, that's what faith is about. Amen? Somebody said, Pastor... I've won the lottery. I just haven't been able to get a settlement yet. And as soon as I do, I'm going to put money in the building program. I hope I have as enough faith for this new project as I did for the old one and told him to keep it. He never got it. We don't want dirty money. What we want is God's people doing what God says. See, that's faith. You know, faith says the discerning mark of a Christian is our love one for another. You know, I think we need to redefine the word love. Should I get out the old Montoro dictionary? Love is not a warm, mushy-gushy feeling inside. How many of you remember the recipe for warm, mushy-gushy feeling inside? Oatmeal. It works every time. If you want to feel warm and fuzzy, you get a big bowl of oatmeal, lots of milk, and when nobody's looking, put a couple tablespoons of half and half in on top. A big wad of butter and some brown sugar. And let me tell you something, you will have the warmest, gushy-gushy feeling inside. And it is, it is lovely, unless you're on a carb-restricted diet. Um, Wonderful thing. But it ain't love. Amen? True love is reflected by true faith. You can't separate faith and love. Because faith is in God and God is love. Faith makes you obedient to the words of God. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 22. I mean, I, I, I like to try to put myself in Abraham's place. What would I do if God showed up and said, take your son and, and offer him? Now, God's not going to do this. This was a one-time event in history. God did this. We can't know. But... 
We could imagine just a little bit of the turmoil that had to be going on in Abraham's soul. But I remember hearing a preacher preach many years ago. And the whole sermon was about how Mr. Abraham was going to explain to Mrs. Abraham that he had killed their son. That's not in your Bible. It's great for pulling heartstrings and getting people emotionally upset. But that's not what we're about here this morning. We want to talk about faith. Abraham had enough faith in God to believe... That if God wanted Isaac dead, God was going to bring him back to life. God never violates his words. He never contradicts himself. God's words always move in one direction. And that's toward God. God was doing something here. Well, look with me in verse 3. And this is amazing to me. I hope it is to you. And Abraham rose up early in the morning. How many of you have ever had something you wanted that had to be done that you didn't want to do? Raise your hand. I mean, how many? Okay, do you get up early in the morning and get prepared to do that thing? Or do you sleep in a little bit? Um, Are you very careful in your planning or do you... Make what we call a Freudian slip. How many are familiar with that term? Uh, it comes from the pervert Sigmund Freud. And uh, he says that when we don't want to do things, or when we don't want to say things right, when we want to say things wrong, that sometimes we'll make a mistake so that we can't do the right thing, or we say the thing that we really feel by mistake and make it look like it was an accident when we really wanted to do it on purpose. That's about the only thing. If that confuses you, it ought to. You see, we do what we want to do. But we're really good at making excuses. How many of you have a doctor's degree in excuse making? Don't raise your hands on that one. Most of us do. We have, we've earned it. Uh, we, can, we can make anything look good. But here's what, here's what Abraham did. He rose up early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of the young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. He got up early the next day. He was obedient immediately. Verse 4 says, Then on the third day Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. How many of you would like to carry that burden for three days? You have your son there. You have two of your servants. You have everything that you need. And you're told that you're going to worship God. And you say, well, where? Well, I'll tell you when we get there. What are we going to worship God with? I mean, could you imagine Isaac? Uh, Some figure that he was only a young teenager, maybe 13, 14 years old. Uh, Maybe he was as old as 17, 18 years old. How many of you have ever known a 13-year-old that could keep their mouth shut for more than about 30 seconds? Uh, I mean, that's just part of growing up. And so they talk, 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 talk. And so 
he, he takes Isaac up there and Isaac is just doing all the normal things. And Abraham's thinking, we're going to go up there and we're going to obey God's word. You see, that's what faith does. Faith only has one alternative. You ever wonder why some people, quote unquote, make it in the Christian life and other people fail? It's because those that fail have made a way to escape that they wouldn't have to fulfill the requirements of faith. You know, we, we have a lot of problems in our life. And, and don't raise your hands on this one, but we, we have lots of excuses for it. We just say, oh, I'm sorry, I just lost my temper. Well, how many times can you lose something and still have it to lose again? Have you ever really thought about that? You didn't lose anything. What you did was you gave vent to your temper. And let me tell you, there's only one thing worse than giving vent to your temper. That's holding it all in and pretending that you don't have one. That's worse yet. It'll eat you up like a cancer. Uh, The clinical term is depression. That's backwards anger. That's what it does when you keep it inside. It'll just literally eat you out like a cancer. You see, Abraham didn't make any excuses. He didn't hide anything. He didn't, but he carried that burden for three days. In verse 5, one of the great phrases in your Bible, if you missed this, you, you need to get it today. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder. And what's that next word there in your King James Bible? Let's try that again. I and the lad will go yonder and and come again unto you. If we have any grammarians here today, the subject is I and the lad are going yonder to worship. And the subject understood, I and the lad, is to the second part of this compound sentence. I and the lad will go yonder and worship. I and the lad will come again unto you. That is the understanding of the passage. Uh, Abraham has no intention of coming down off of that mountain without Isaac. But he's not going to take the two servants with him. Because if he did, they would stop him. They'd say, the old man's gone crazy. Get him. And so he left them afar off so that they couldn't see what was going on. So that they couldn't stop him. And look at how carefully the wording is. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac his son. And he took the fire in his hand and a knife. And they went both of them together. Now, how could you be more obedient than Abraham was to God's words right here? He didn't leave out one thing. How many of you would have accidentally forgot the fire and said, ah, no, no flint, no, 
Lord, you know, it'd take two days to start a fire by rubbing sticks together. That only works in the movies. I mean, it just would never, ever happen. So, um, uh, I, I guess, Lord, if you really wanted me to do this, you'd have had me remember it. No. Abraham wasn't into making excuses. He was into obeying God's word. That's faith. He took the fire. He took the knife. He took the wood. And interesting enough, who carried the wood? Isaac did. You see, that's important for later. See, Abraham didn't understand it, but he was painting a picture with his life. Because faith not only makes you obedient to the Word of God, it does some other things too. But before we get to those other things, we need to put one little point in here. Faith doesn't have to explain itself. You know why faith doesn't have to explain itself? Because I can trust the character of God more than I can trust what I understand and what I know. Could we say amen to that? You see, that's one of the marks of true faith. One of the marks of fake faith, one of the marks uh, of a false, unregenerate faith is a faith that makes sense to you. A faith that you can understand. I've often done this, and I, I don't mean to be unnecessarily offensive, but how big would God be if you could understand Him? Not very big. Because you don't understand very much. I put myself there too. I'm not, I'm not just complaining at you. There's an awful lot that I don't understand. And if you ever want to destroy yourself, just try to understand everything God understands. That's what happened to Solomon, by the way. He got so great in his understanding that he no longer was obedient to God. I don't want to be there. I'd rather be that childlike faith that Abraham said. How many say amen to that? You see, faith does not have to explain itself because faith is rooted in the character of God. And I can trust the character of God. And there's many questions that I can't answer. And and I always have people come up and, and, you know, they, they haven't come up with a new one in years. I'm waiting for a new one, you know. Uh, how, how could a God whose love make a place called hell? Uh, if, if God really is the only way, if the Bible's the only way, what about the aborigines in Australia? I mean, they've been asking that question since my granddaddy was a little baby. You'd think they'd come up with something new. And the answer to all those questions is the same. Okay, let's talk about the aborigines. If I have to choose between trusting the character of God and national pornographic, I mean geographic society, whose claims to know everything about all these ancient peoples, guess who wins? It's not the National Geographic Society. They hate God. Why would I trust them? When was the last time they were honest about anything? If I have to trust you 
or trust God, guess who loses? Uh, you do. Because I'm going to trust God. Because that's what faith is all about. I know enough by reading my Bible about the character of God that I don't need to worry about the things I don't understand. I'd better get concerned about the things that I can do. That's faith. I don't think we're going to get through this whole sermon this morning. That's only point one. Now, let's read verse 8 here. And Abraham said, read verse 7, And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he, Isaac, said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went, both of them, together. And they came to the place which God had told him of. And Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar of wood. Now, if you're Isaac right now, how much are you liking this story? I mean, I want you, you got to think about this. If Isaac... 14, 15-year-old boy. Dad's now 114. Uh, Who do you think wins the wrestling match? Could I I tell you, I've always believed this, that Isaac had to have a great deal of faith too. That, That there had to be some cooperation here. Or this thing wouldn't have happened. That God said he would provide himself. And Abraham explained to his son what was going to happen. And Isaac, I believe, would have had to have cooperated. I don't think he liked it. Would you? But how many times has God asked you to do something you didn't like? Like, come church every Sunday morning. Not quite as bad as what happened in Genesis chapter 22, but some people might put a run in for it, try to explain how bad it is, show up church. But uh, by the time you get Sunday night and Thursday night in there, that's a pretty good burden, huh? Uh, it ought not be, because that's what faith is. It's just obeying God's Word. Now, we're getting ahead, but you see... Faith makes you obedient to God's words. But faith always makes you look toward God. It makes you look past man. It makes you go past your understanding and your comprehension. Faith, when it is real Bible faith, makes you go past the boundary of humanity. Because faith takes you into a realm that belongs only to God. That's how you get saved. You get translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. You get born into a new family. You get born into God's family. And why wouldn't we want to do the things that God tells us to do as members of His family? 
or get along with the people that God wants us to get along or, or follow the people that God wants us to follow. You know why? Because we've got a problem with faith. And there's only one way to fix it. Let's go back to the book. And all God's people say, we're not done yet. You see, there was going to be a substitute for Isaac. Let's read on down here a little bit. It says in verse 10, And Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven, saying, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. Now, can we just read into this? Here's Abraham. The the point has come. The knife is in his hand. He is ready to follow through what needs to be done in order to fulfill God's Word. And that means the death of his son. And the knife is in his hand. He is ready to do that. And he hears, Abraham, Abraham. Here am I, Lord! I'm ready to listen. Do you get that? Do you think there was a little anticipation in Abraham's heart when he heard God call him the second time? Uh, Let me tell you, I believe there was. And he heard the words that his heart had already told him had to be there somewhere. But Abraham wasn't going to do anything until he had God's word. Because, see, that's what faith does. Abraham was way past the realm of humanity right now. Things were going on in his heart and his life that were so far beyond his ability to perceive and understand that he had no clue as to what was going on. But he wasn't confused because he had God's Word to keep him heading in the right direction. That's the difference between the world and faith. See, the world loves to get you confused. Because once they get you confused, then they can do what they want. And take advantage of you and steal from you. And that's the way politics work, is it not? And here's what God did. And verse 12, And he said, Lay not thy hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God. Seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. You see, faith makes you obedient to the words of God. In being obedient to the words of God, your trust is not in your understanding, but in God's. Faith makes you look directly at God. It takes your eyes off the realm of the human and ability and what man can do. It puts your eyes directly focused on what only God can do. But here's something that faith does that so many of us as Christians miss. Faith allows you to see The heart of God. It allows you to understand what God is about and what He is doing. It allows you to see 
the big picture. How many of you already got that point? Raise your hand. You see, God had a son. And God was going to offer His Son. There would be no substitute for His Son. His Son was going to be more innocent than Isaac was, suffering for the sin of every human being that ever lived. You understand why Islam is still fighting over the Temple Mount in Jerusalem? It's because they want to lay claim to the faith that is in this passage. And they have no grounds for doing so. Not one. Not enough to make a drop of coffee, let alone a cup. Amen? No grounds, no nothing whatsoever do they have. Because it was Isaac that was offered. You see, Abraham is called the friend of God. And God was letting his friend understand a little bit of what was on his heart as to what he would do to set us free from our sins. Do you get that? See, that's what faith does. That's how you get saved. You get to see just a little bit about what God does. You see, you don't live the Christian life in fear You don't live the Christian life because I show up at your door the first time you miss church and say, where have you been? I've told people this over the years. I'm not chasing you. If you don't have enough faith to be obedient on your own, you won't have enough faith because I come and chase you. you. You've got to make that choice yourself. You have to choose to obey God's Word. But by the way, you can't do it until you get past the realm of humanity and focus your thought and intent upon God and God Himself. Until faith opens your eyes to let you see just a little bit of who God is. And then you know what faith does? Faith takes your life And puts it on display so that others can see faith and want Jesus, the same Jesus that you have. That's why Abraham in the book of Galatians is called the father of all that have faith. Because it is his testimony of seeing Abraham could not know the answer to this question any other way than the way God made it plain to Abraham that he had the answer. He had to believe that his son was going to die and rise again from the dead. Now he could see into the heart of God what God would do And here's what his response to this was. And Abraham, verse 14, called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen.
In the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Moses wrote the book of Genesis a little over 400 years after the time of Abraham. Children of Israel were in the land of Egypt 430 years. It would be uh, another 100 or so years before they got there. So roughly just adding it up, somewhere around 500 years of time would pass. 500 years later, Moses gave the testimony that those who were the children of Abraham were still talking about what God had done in Abraham's life on Mount Moriah. By the way, they're still talking about what God did. In fact, Islam built a mosque talking about what God did. They just got the wrong kid. Amen? Uh, they, uh, and they do that on purpose. Because if it is Isaac, then they have no claim to that mountain. It belongs to the Jews. And so, they've got to change history to serve themselves. But we're not done. One more thing. Verse 15. And the angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, By myself have I sworn that the Lord, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is upon the seashore, And thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Because thou hast obeyed my voice. Faith brings blessings that can only come from God. Listen. We don't have any posters. We might get some. I'm not in a hurry for posters, but I'm sure Andrew's going to work on that next few months. The just shall live by faith. The just shall live by his faith. What, what is your faith doing? Is your faith making life more comfortable for yourself? Let me tell you something. That's not Bible faith. Because Bible faith focuses you beyond the realm of the human into God. Biblical faith makes you obedient to God's words. If I were to ask a question, how many of you have some struggle in your life, a burden that you're carrying, something that you need God to give you the victory over in this coming year, I believe that every honest hand would go up. That there would not be one of us here that wouldn't have something in our life that is weighing us down. Some some area that we're struggling against. Something that's going on that God needs to fix. How many would say, yes, Pastor, that's, that's, that's where I am. Well, we know what the answer is. It's faith. Is it not? But it's faith. That works according to the word of God. If you have a faith that's moving you in an unbiblical direction. Say well I have faith that I don't need to be baptized the Bible way. Well I'll tell you what that's false faith. Well I have faith that I can serve God without the church. Well I'll tell you what that's a false faith. 
Well, I just happen to believe, you know what? We're really not interested here in what you happen to believe. I'm sorry. We're interested in what God says. And what holds us together as a church is our feeble attempts to follow what the Bible says together as the body of Christ, the local church. Can we say amen to that? You can have whatever kind of faith you want, and I'll be the first in line to say that you can have it. But I'm also going to be the first in line when it violates the Scriptures to tell you that it's not a biblical faith and that it's not going to get you closer to God no matter how good you feel about it. I don't care how many bowls of oatmeal you've eaten. It's not going to help you be a better Christian. We say amen to that? If we're going to live by faith, We've got to be obedient to God's words. How can you be obedient to God's words if you don't know what they are? How many of you knew I was going to get the Bible reading schedule in here somewhere? That's what it's about. Listen. When I'm obedient in the least of these things, it takes my attention off of me and puts it on God. When I allow my attention to be taken out of the realm of the human and put into the realm of God Himself, I'm going to see just a little bit about the heart of God and understand a little bit more about how much He loves me, how much He loves you. And guess what? That's when God can put my faith on display and say, this is how I work. But who was the one in this story that got all the blessings? Abraham. Amen? Abraham got the blessings. Why? He did what God said. Faith. He got out of the realm of the human. Faith. He got to feel. The first man in history that understood. Why do you think he's called God the Son? To help us understand the... Emotion, if we can use that word, that God went through when Jesus came to die on the cross. So that we could have a little handle to hold on to this thing. And when we see God's heart, it opens the door for Him to change our lives. And others are going to be impacted by that change. And guess who gets all the blessings? Whoever lives by faith. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you.